Uh, it is great to have you here this morning. Um, I'm excited about what God's doing this morning in this place. Uh, there's, there's just some things I want to I touch base with you guys on. And as I kept going through Matthew 6 and started reading through Matthew 6, which we'll be starting a new series next week, um, basically titled Upside Down Teachings of Jesus, because everything Jesus taught is countercultural. You know, we're going to jump back into the Beatitudes into Matthew 5, and we're going to look at the Beatitudes and see how what Jesus taught us and how Jesus taught us to live is different than what the world teaches. And so it's, whether it was back in his time or it's today, Jesus' teachings were inside out and upside down. They didn't make sense to people. But that's what I truly believe draws people to him, is that the fact he wasn't willing to live like everyone else just to be accepted. He was willing to do what God had called him to do to make a difference. And that's what God's calling us to be as a church, is let's not look like the church next door, which we don't. But I pray for every other church in Rice, because I want to see God's kingdom built. And so I, I don't want to be like them. I want to be who God's called us to be. Because that's the best thing we can be. If we try to act like somebody else, and it doesn't matter even, you know, again, I could, I could say, you know, we're, we're the same denomination as the Waters Church, so we should do what they do. But I'm not Pastor Doug. And so for me to do what he does, and you're not the people who go there. You're the people God's placed here for your creativity to reach our communities the way he's called us to. That makes sense? Y'all should be excited about that, actually. Because you ain't got to be like anybody else. Just be you. God gave you the creativity and the love for people, and he gave you the ability to reach people where you're at. You're not supposed to be like anybody else. That was one of the biggest things I had to learn when I became a pastor. Is I can't be Rob Ketterling. I can't be a Craig Rochelle. I can't be a Denny Curran or a Jim Von Wald. I can only be me. I tried for a while, you know, my three points and everything else. And a lot of times I have those three points. But they are, they are very good speakers. I'm just lucky if I don't slur my words when I talk and, and you know, do, say something dumb. But that's who God made me to be. God said, I, I want to use the zeal and the passion you have where you're at, and, and this is what he's saying to all of you. I want to use the passion that you've been, that I've given you to use where you're at to do what I've called you to do. And when we start doing that, we start seeing God move. Because when we're trying to be like somebody else, we're just trying to, rec we're just trying to, you know, copy. And none of us are copies. Each one of us are unique and individual to God. Again, he knows every hair on your head. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you're going to do before you do it. And he knows what you've done, but yet he still chooses to love us and lead us in new paths. And so if we want to jump into Matthew 6 this morning, um, remember we finished last week off with the Lord's Prayer, and the week before that we talked about fasting and all of that. But in, in verse 19... Jesus, again, this is still red letters, so it's important. It's Jesus. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. And then here's the key to today's message. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. And so the title of today's message is, What's Your Treasure? 
And I want us to all, honestly, as we're talking this morning, think about that. Do I have treasures in my life that distract me from God? Because it says here, where your treasure is, there's, that's where my heart is. And so Jesus goes on in the following verses to warn us that we're either going to serve and worship with you know, wealth, or we're going to worship and serve with our wealth. Those are our two choices. Okay. Now I will say this: as I read through this, and, and I and I did a bunch of studying on it, and it, and it talks a lot. You know, the, you'll hear pastors tell say it that Jesus talked more about money than anything else, right? You'll hear those things. But I think where they're being misquoted at and where they're looking at it wrong is: yes, Jesus talked about money, but it was always in contrast to the kingdom of God. So his point was the kingdom of God; it wasn't money. Now. We talk about money. Why? Because money can be a big stumbling block for people. But see, when we start focusing on the kingdom of God and when we seek his kingdom first and we seek Jesus first and we seek what Jesus wants us to do, this money goes to the side, doesn't it? Because our heart is here. It isn't here with the money. And so, yes, Jesus does mention money, but he never focused on money. His focus was on us becoming who God has called us to be. Because why do I think he did that? Because Jesus didn't really care about material things. He doesn't say, don't have material things. See, as Christians and as people of Jesus, we should want nothing more and treasure everything less than Jesus. Jesus tells us in his words, if you want to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me daily. Again, don't like that? Argue with Jesus. He said it. We don't get to decide what it looks like to follow Jesus. He's already prescribed it. And so all we got to do is follow what Jesus said. Now, is that easy? No. Will we make mistakes? Yes. So don't worry about that. Don't worry if you're going to get it all right, because you're not. That's where God's grace comes in. I mean, you got a guy like Peter who... <laughs> exactly. If you've ever read dude's story, dude is constantly, he's all over the place. One minute he's saying, you're the son of God. The next minute Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. To Peter. See, Peter is, and David, and you read through the Bible, and they should give all of us hope. Because they all screwed up too. But we've created a culture today because of social media where we're afraid of screwing up because everything looks perfect. So what if I try this and it doesn't work? Then I can't post it on whatever it is that's popular nowadays. I don't even know. I can't post it on here and get a lot of likes because they'll see I messed up. How many know the best way to learn is fail? You don't learn from doing it right. You learn from making mistakes. So it's okay. We're going to make, but to see, here's where people get caught up on that. Is when you make a mistake, all of a sudden you re-identify yourself as a mistake. See, you made a mistake. You aren't a mistake. You've heard me give the analogy before, and if you grew up anywhere, you've stepped on a nail. Okay? I don't see anybody this morning walking around with that nail in their foot. You made a mistake stepping on the nail. You pulled the nail out. It hurt but it healed. See, that's what Jesus did for us. 
He taken all our dirty, taken all our mess, and said, I'm going to heal you. And we have to learn to live that out. See, the driving force when Jesus, why Jesus came into our mess was to bring the message of reconciliation. And he's given that message to us to share with people. See, he desired to restore our relationship with God through faith in him. And when he did that, he said, you are no longer enemies of God, but you are children of God. Now, which would you prefer to be? An enemy of God or a child of God? Then let's start living that way. Because again, this is what God says. When you accepted my son as your savior, I have adopted you into my family. I've given you my Holy Spirit who gives you the right to call me Abba, Father, or Daddy. So let's live like we believe what God says. Let's not live by what the world says we should be. So as we walk through this this morning, again, letting those questions is, again, think about this last week. What controlled your thought processes? Was it Jesus or was it everything you had to do? Or was it... Because hmm. see, when... <laughs> I'm going to come back to that in just a second. See, when we chase after Jesus, here's, I want to give you all a tip. Everything else falls into place and your life's more comfortable. Chasing things of this world will never make you comfortable. I was talking to somebody this week. Guess what? Choices we make leads us to decisions in places we never wanted to go. And like Louis Giglio says, you know, all sin starts as a cute little cub, you know, lion. It looks all cute and cuddly. Eventually that lion grows up and it'll kill you. Sin's a lot the same way. It looks okay. It looks like it's not going to hurt me. It looks like it's not hurting anybody else. But eventually if we keep chasing that and we keep compromising and we keep convincing ourselves that it's not that bad, it grows up and we find ourselves in a position we never thought we'd be in. I've been there. I never, when I got married, thought I would end up on a couch by myself with four dogs having no idea where my wife and kids were. None. I didn't plan that. That was not part of my five-year plan. But the sin and the choices I had making that started off to not be that bad put me where I was that day. And guess what? For me to change it, I had to change my choices. Because when we follow Jesus and we decide to put Jesus first and we start to chase after Jesus, he said, I can make all your wrong right and I can wash it white as snow. You ain't going to fix it on your own. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Because have you ever noticed the more you pursue things of this world, the less fulfilled you feel? You've probably heard stories of people, if I just make a little bit more money, I'll be happier. And they ain't never made enough money yet. They're always looking for that next thing. Or if I just get this raise, I can spend some more time with my kids because I'll make more money so I can take time off. Problem with that is you don't really take the time off till you're 65, your kids are grown because you are still focused on that next thing where I can take the time. 
I'm saying take the time now. Don't wait. Jesus didn't wait to reach out. He reached out where he was. And he's telling us to reach out where we are and live for him where we are. Don't worry about where we might go tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries for itself. Again, is what if we keep reading through, that was what his word says. And so we learn to focus on what he wants from us and where he's taken us. See, we're never going to find that fulfillment we're looking for in a job. We're never going to find happiness. And I, I've, I've told multiple people this. You know, because I don't know if you've ever seen people who've changed jobs like every three, four months. Maybe they make it six months, maybe a year, some two years, but they're always changing jobs trying to find happiness in a job. Or they'll move to different places because they'll find their happiness. You know, things are going bad here, so if I move here, then things will be okay because I can start over. But the problem with that is it's not a geographical issue, it's a heart issue. If we get the heart right, the geography will change. Because what happens is everywhere I go, I take my problems with me. I am the common denominator. So no matter what I do, no matter where I go, if I don't change my choices and I don't change my heart and let Jesus transform my heart, all those problems go with me to wherever I go. All of a sudden, the same people I attracted here, I will be attracting here. Because that's where my heart is. Does that make sense? Again, you guys are just getting an insight of what, what God and I talked about over these, prayer, over these last three weeks in prayer. But th- there's encouragement that I'll get to here eventually. Yeah, we got plenty of time. Because um, <laughs> Jesus goes on in Luke 12, 21, and he says this. Jesus tells us again, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but, have, but not have a rich relationship with God. So what does that sound like is important to Jesus that he's trying to tell us is important? Our relationship with God is more important than what we have because God will give us what we need and what we need is to bless others. See, God doesn't give us things to make us comfortable. He gives us things to bless. With that segue into, that, I had somebody ask me this week, I am, I'm getting ready to print off our architectural designs for our building that we have out there. Why? Because I'm not, <laughs> I always got to be moving. Um, and so, and they're like, well, what are you going to do with this building? I'm like, this building is going to become a blessing for our community. However we can use this building to bless our community. We're not selling it. We're not going to get rid of it. We're going to figure out how can we give it away? How can we help people with it? How can we serve people with it? See, this, a building's not the end of what we do as church. This is just where we hang out. We all the church. And so, as, as, as we get ready, and, and, and I dream about our four phases out there that I've already got designed of what God's placed in my heart for our, for our community, it's like this building just becomes a, a jumping point, a, a starting point for what God has for us. And we say, okay, God, what do you want us to do next? How do you want us to do this next? Who can we help next? How can we serve someone next? How, where can we go next, God. Because Jesus teaches us that if we concentrate on money and if the treasure that we're seeking is our wealth, he's telling us that you're focused on the wrong thing. This building isn't what I gave you. I gave you people. I gave you people to love, not a building to love. Now, one of the most misquoted, um, another one of the most misquoted scriptures that you're ever going to hear is people will say money is the root of all evil. Again, never said. 
It's not in your Bible. You don't believe me? Go to 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. See, Jesus is saying your heart, your treasure is money. And when your treasure is money, it will lead you away from me, not towards me. Because again, God says you can't serve both God and money. You'll love one and hate the other. You'll serve one and be a slave to the other. So Jesus gives us lots of warnings, but it's not that money's bad. Money, as I was taught one time, is just an option-producing device. The more money you have, the more options you have. See, it's not the love of money. It's the fact that I can take money and use it for God's kingdom. I can use it to pay my bills. I can use it to help somebody else who needs help. But it doesn't have to just be finances. It could be our time. How many of y'all sit around the house and watch TV? Okay, come on, people. We'll, lie. we'll pray for your lying after service. Um, <laughs> Do you think during that time, there might be somebody that God could place on your heart that he's saying, just give, give me two minutes of your time and send them a text and let them know you're thinking about them. You have no idea how that changes someone's day. Because I get testimonies on that stuff all the time from people saying, yeah, they texted me, it was awesome. And it's not a big text. It's just like, hey, thinking about you today. Hey, praying for you. Hey, what do you need prayer for? You know, God laid me on your heart today, or on my heart. What can I pray for you about today? I don't just do that willy-nilly. I do it as God leads me to do it. And I did that with a, with a pastor friend of mine this last week. And I'm like, dude, God's just been laying you and your wife on, on my heart this week. And what can we be praying for you for? And he sent me a paragraph back saying, hey, thank you. You don't know what's going on, but here's what we need prayer for. See, when we understand storing up earth, our earthly treasures, we can't fulfill the purpose God's called for us. See, our treasure that we have, that Jesus gave us, is a treasure that will last eternity. The treasure of Jesus, and we won't fully receive this treasure until we get to heaven. But it doesn't mean we don't keep stacking it up. It doesn't mean we don't keep trying to add to it. I mean, gee, it's really funny because if you read Revelation, you know, you read about how as, how as we bless people and how as we follow Jesus and how as we do good things, we get gems for our crowns, right? Jewels for our crowns. And then what do we do with those crowns when we get to heaven? We take them off and throw them at Jesus' feet anyways. But I want a bejeweled crown. Um, I want to I just go out and help people. And, and I believe that's what God's called us to. And, and I'm preaching to the choir here because you guys are amazing. I truly mean that. Because I've talked to all of you as individuals. I know where your hearts are, that you want to see God. And it's all different. And that's what's so awesome for me. Because sitting and talking to you guys and hearing your different creativities and the different thoughts God's placed on your heart and the different things you're going through and the different things we can work on together, that's what makes all this other stuff so cool. Because we all fit together like a puzzle that God's putting together. And he says, as you do that and as you follow me, here's how we don't lose perspective. We jump into Colossians 3, 2 through 4, and says, think about the things of heaven. Don't think about things of this earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, 
you will share in all his glory. Okay, that deserves a few amens. I'm sorry. See, and again, the picture for me of that is just being a kid and playing hide and seek and standing behind my dad. And no one can see me. I, I know y'all did that when you were kids. Well, at least all of us guys did. Um, but I get to stand behind Jesus, and when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sinfulness, doesn't see my mistakes, doesn't see my sin. He sees me through the sacrifice. Jesus gave his life for me so I could be made white as snow. So when God looks at me, he sees me washed white as snow through his son. And we get to live a new life. And then the next thing God started talking to me about when we look at our treasures and when we're searching for our treasures and we're, when we're searching for things that we think are important, we, we, start, we start looking back a lot of times and, and the enemy is going to remind you of your guilt. He's going to remind you of your shame. He's going to remind you of your mistakes. He's going to remind you that you said you were going to follow Jesus before. He's going to remind you of all this stuff you've done wrong. But see, the problem is, is when we're looking back constantly and you heard Jim Phil Beck shared it when he was here uh, that one Sunday morning where he said, if I'm driving a tractor and I'm looking back the whole time, my, my roles start going like this because I don't see where I'm going. we got to keep our eye on the destination. we got to keep our eye on the prize. we got to keep our eye on the weather horizon and keep moving forward. Look, glance back occasionally. Why? Glance back to see how far you come. Don't glance back to see what you did wrong. Say, I started there, but I'm here. And guess what? Next year, you started there, you're here now. It's a step. It's, it's just a step at a time. It's just moving a little bit forward with God every day. But see what happened here. If you've read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and you read the story of Lot's wife, and, and the angel of the Lord Jesus told her not to look back, told Lot and his whole family, don't look back, just get out of here. This is shame. This is guilt. This is your sins. This is everything that's been going wrong with your life. This is why you've been struggling. This is why you, you need to make different choices. Just keep moving forward. Keep going forward. Keep looking. Keep looking forward. Keep going to where I've told you to go. And what happens is she stops and longingly looks back at the city because she believes her treasure is still back there. Because we can go on to see and read that Abraham looked he went to the place where he had worshipped the Lord and he looked over the valley and he looked down at Sodom and Gomorrah and he saw the smoke rising up. Why, did not, why didn't he turn to salt? Because he was worshipping God. He knew the treasure wasn't there to begin with. The treasure was at the altar he created for his God. See, when we're looking back and thinking, well, if I just can go back and fix this thing, sometimes what's happened is we believe subconsciously that my treasure is still back here and I need, to, I need to unearth it. Jesus said, when you've come to me, I have taken all your dirty and made it right. I will take your mess, turn it to a message. I will take all things and make them new. 